People think I'm damaged goods. I'm worried about losing my job. Will I ever get a transplant? I want to see my children graduate from college. How can I afford this? I don't want to be a burden. I'm afraid. I'm overwhelmed with information. Sometimes I wonder if I'll ever fall in love and get married. I just want to play with my friends. You're listening to Kidney Talk, streaming health, happiness, and hope to the renal community with your hosts, Lori Hartwell and Stephen First. Well, we're back with another week of Kidney Talk, and today we're going to be so positive because we have the most positive guests in the world. How do you stay positive? How do I stay positive? I got to tell you, getting kidney disease has made me more positive, believe it or not, because I used to be really neurotic and worry about things all the time, and then getting kidney disease put my life in perspective, like there were so much more important things in life. Right. And I I always said, I don't want to be on my deathbed, hopefully in my 80s or 90s, and saying, you know, I wasted 20 years worrying. I wish I could get those 20 years back. And so I, I wake up every morning very positive. And it's very hard because if your spouse or your kids or your friend, your roommate, your lovers are not a positive influence, then it's even harder. So you got to be positive for yourself and not be affected by the chipping away of their negativity. One of my favorite sayings that I have to remind myself about is wait have to it worry. Your way? <laughs> yes, have it my way. <laughs> wait to worry. I mean, worry wait doesn't to, to wait worry. to worry is like when something is bothering me and it is affecting my mindset. I actually think, well, I'm just going to wait to worry about that. And sometimes it helps because worry can invade you and it can suck away the positiveness. You know, a lot of times when you worry about something, that's that's a great expression. Wait to worry because. A lot of times when you worry about something, like the next day, it's resolved anyway, and you think, oh my gosh, look at all the time I wasted worrying about this. Somebody told me one time, if it doesn't matter in five years, it doesn't matter. And a lot of times when I approach problems or there's a big issue, I think, well, wow, is this issue really going to matter in five years? And if it is going to matter in five years, then maybe you need to take a little bit more attention now, to it. What if it's four and a half years? Does that matter? <laughs> I mean, does that well, count? Well, I, I guess I could make a little bit of a, 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 leeway? a leeway for four and a half years. But, you know, sometimes things that impact us every day, it overtakes our minds. And it really doesn't matter. And, I you mean, know so and the news is a perfect example of this. It's like, let's worry about this for today. And then a week later, you forget what they've just told you to worry about. But when we come back, we're going to talk to Mr. Lucky. He's been through so much in yes, his life. Jim Deneen. Yes, Jim Deneen. Yes, he has been through so much. Getting kidney disease, getting a kidney the way he got the kidney. So we'll talk about all that and a survival of a plane crash, too. Postman, here you go. Hmm. I won the million-dollar giveaway sweepstakes. Oh, I finally got my tax refund check. Oh my God, I I can't believe this. I got my order of Dairy Delicious. Oh boy, milkshakes, creamy soup, cereal with milk, and pudding. (laughs) Why is Mr. Smith so excited about his Dairy Delicious? I have a hint. You see, Mr. Smith is on dialysis, and Dairy Delicious is real milk especially created for kidney patients. It has half the potassium and half the phosphorus of regular 2% milk, But it has 100% of the flavor. Perfect for people who love dairy products and need to keep their lab values normal and dietitians happy. And most of all, it's delicious. Thousands who have tried Dairy Delicious sing its praises. See what I mean? 
To order your own Dairy Delicious and possibly get as excited as Mr. Smith here, call one 877 That's one 432 4797 Or visit DairyDelicious.com. Dairy healthy, dairy good, dairy delicious. The milk that's made for you. I'm looking over a four-leaf clover I overlooked before. One leaf is sunshine, the second is rain. Third is roses that grow in the lane. No need explaining. Well, Jim Deneen, welcome to the show. Well, thank you, Steve. Oh, my gosh. Tell, tell us about the situation you were in and, and how you fought being so depressed about kidney disease. Because I know when I found out that I had kidney disease, I was really depressed. Well, I, I hate to say it this way because there'd be too many people agree, but I, I was never depressed uh, about kidney disease because I didn't know I had it. Um, kidney disease was a surprise to me. My youngest daughter got married in May of 1998. And uh, on the dance floor at, uh, at her wedding, I told my wife that I felt like I needed to see a doctor because uh, I have always been an avid weightlifter and uh, I was pretty sure I had lifted too much weight in the week prior. Um, I went to the doctor, found out that I had a hernia. They prepared to uh, do surgery on me three days later. And when the blood work came back, the doctor came in and said, uh, do you know that your kidneys don't work? It was absolutely the first time I ever knew I was ill. I had no symptoms. Uh, I had been a consultant, had my own business for seven years prior to that, and um, had traveled uh, all over the country and and felt just absolutely phenomenal until that happened. And, and the fact that you hadn't urinated in six months, that wasn't the clue? <laughs> totally irrelevant. It just enabled me to live a happier life. Was, I see. So. That's great. So one of the things that I know about you, you actually fought in the war. And some of your experience of fighting in Vietnam, did that help you live with kidney disease? Um, I, I, I don't uh, spend a lot of time talking about uh, uh, Vietnam, but I, I will say this. I think as a young man, having gone through that experience, I was in the infantry. Uh, I did nothing heroic in Vietnam. I went and I fought and I came home. But it did uh, give me a whole new um, uh, insight on life and uh, gave me a little bit more value on what I thought of life and what I was willing to go through to stay living. Well, and, the key uh, is what you said is that you came home. Yes. And that yes. probably did change your perspective after all the death you saw probably over there. Now, uh, I want to know, how do you remain positive now? And, and because I know this can really zap you, this disease, because I know I'm a really positive person, but certain days I go up and I'm really mad at the world. Uh, well, I've, I've got a pretty interesting family. I, I grew up in an old um, Irish Catholic family, and we laughed at pretty much everything, and that's mm -hmm. what, what we continue to do. You're from the Hornstein family, right? The uh, Irish Catholic. Well, it's uh, about as uh, Irish and Catholic yeah. as you can get, yeah. Hornstein. My family just looks at life uh, in a very positive fashion, and I've been very blessed, uh, as uh, you may have heard a little while ago, uh, my wife is my donor. Uh, her only downfall in life is she's not Irish, uh, but we've worked on it. Uh, <laughs> so how did, how did you get her to donate a kidney to you? Um, when I say I'm a, a blessed man, it's, it's an understatement. I had 10 people come forward to be my donor, and uh, which is proof that you can fool most of the people all the time. <laughs> And, now, would um, any of these 10 people happen to be left over? Um, unfortunately, uh, at this time, I'm not sure they're all still uh, compatible with anybody. Uh, the first three <laughs> were my uh, oldest daughter, uh, my brother, and my wife, and they were all three matches. And uh, I sometimes feel guilty for saying that, but uh, 
I was a pretty lucky guy. And for personal family reasons, my wife was my donor. She was actually the worst match. I had uh, my daughter and my brother were both threes, and my uh, wife was a one. But uh, with now, the, why did you choose your wife rather than your, let's say, your brother? My, I can uh, understand the daughter because I know I haven't even tested my two sons because, uh, you know, I just wouldn't take a kidney from them. Well, and, and I, I need to say this about my daughter. Both my daughters volunteered, but at the time that I uh, was ready for transplant, uh, my youngest daughter had just had a child. So she was out of the picture uh, for at least six or seven months. My oldest daughter um, had not yet had a child, and uh, she was very insistent. Uh, she was born... Uh, actually while I was gone uh, in the service. So she felt like a real need to give that. My brother um, is a fascinating man. He has got cerebral palsy. Uh, he's had it his entire life. I've watched my brother go through 14 major surgeries. He spent two summers in a body cast. Well, now I understand because you wouldn't so, want to make, put him through another surgery. That we didn't want any more. But right. um, uh, my brother Tom is an attorney, which is uh, obviously one of his downfalls in life. And um, <laughs> he lives with my father, who is 90 years old and um, is, a, is a true asset to taking care of my dad. And uh, I did not want... Uh, I didn't want to destroy that relationship, and I was afraid if Tom uh, had any problems in life, it would be difficult overall. So we settled on my wife, and besides, my wife basically said she's given the kidney whether I want it or not. Wow. We've been together a long time, so. Oh, well, fantastic. We, we need to take a break, but when we come back, we want to hear more about your transplant, how your wife has you know, done after the transplant, and learn a little bit more about Jim. Oh, I just love pretzels. Let's... Let me see here. One serving is six pretzels? What, are they kidding me? Who only ate six pretzels? I have to stay on my renal diet. I know. I can bite part of one pretzel, then bite the side of another pretzel, and then I hook them together, and I can count that as one pretzel. Mm. Boy, that was good. You know what I love now? A big gulp. Now if I fill it up halfway and then drink it and refill it to the top, now that won't count towards my daily fluid intake. Or will it? Make the connection. Eating high-sodium foods makes you thirsty, which will make you retain more fluids. Do you want to share a tip on how to stay within your fluid limit? Email us at kidneytalk at rsnhope.org and we'll let our listeners in on your different tips. And now it's time to Ask the Nephrologist. What meds could have helped me slow down the deterioration of my kidney disease? And here's Dr. Alan Nissenson with the answer. Nephrologists have been uh, searching sort of for the holy grail of progressive kidney disease for many, many years. And there have been lots of studies, lots of things looked at. And for a while, it was felt that restricting protein in the diet was going to be the answer. And that if one minimized protein intake, not so severely that people got malnourished, but moderately uh, restricted protein in the diet, that somehow this would allow the kidneys to slow down in terms of the amount of work they did and that if they didn't have to work so hard, they wouldn't deteriorate as quickly. Uh, and the National Institutes of Health funded a huge trial to study this question 
spent hundreds of millions of dollars and came to the conclusion at the end of the trial that restricting protein was not helpful. It was a huge disappointment to the medical community. And since that time, we've been looking for other approaches to slow the de deterioration of kidney function. And now what we know is that a certain class of drugs called angiotensin converting enzyme inhibitors, or ACE inhibitors, can be effective in slowing the progression of kidney disease. These are drugs very commonly used to treat high blood pressure, even in non-kidney patients. Very good antihypertensive medications, but have a unique effect on the kidneys to affect the blood flow to the kidneys in a way that uh, will maintain kidney function over a long period of time. So a general recommendation in anyone who has progressive kidney disease is to be on one of these drugs, unless there's a contraindication. They're generally very well tolerated. Every now and then, there'll be adverse reactions. Sometimes people get a dry cough that can be very irritating and require the medication to be stopped. Every now and then, the blood potassium can go too high. It just needs to be monitored closely. But uh, other than those two side effects, that gen these drugs are well tolerated, and there's absolutely clear evidence that when taking these, patients will have a slowing in the progression of kidney disease. So if you're not on these, the, the other point that's worth making is that if you were to ask nephrologists what medications slow the progression of kidney disease, my guess is 100% would give you the right answer and say, oh, ACE inhibitors, and everyone knows that. Now, if you were to go into the same nephrologist's office, pull out all of their charts for all of their patients with kidney disease and see what fraction are on ACE inhibitors, and this has actually been done, you'd find about 30 to 40%. So this is another example where doctors have a great understanding of what needs to be done, but for whatever reason, don't do it. And this reemphasizes why it's so important for patients to be educated. Because if you're not on an ACE inhibitor, you need to go into your nephrologist and ask him why you're not on an ACE inhibitor. And maybe there's a good reason, because it was tried and you didn't know that and you had a complication or whatever. But the point is, you need to speak up and say, you know this is an effective medication, why aren't you getting it if you're not getting it? It's very important. And by increasing awareness on the part of nephrologists that patients know that this is important, the practice improves. I mean, that's how we get improvement in clinical practice. The Ask a Nephrologist segment of this program is intended for informational purposes only. It is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment from your physician. Always seek the advice of your own health care provider regarding your medical condition. The Renal Support Network and the Renal Physicians Association make no representations or warranties and provide no guarantees of any kind as to the accuracy of any information provided during the Ask a Nephrologist segment. I'm looking over... A four-leaf clover I overlooked before. One leaf is sunshine, the second is rain. Third is roses that grow in the lane. No need to explain. Well, how long were you on dialysis, Jim? I was on dialysis a total of three years. Uh, two years in a clinic, uh, one year at home. The year at home was, was the best year. Now, who uh, stuck you? Did your wife stick you? When I was on home hemo, I did it all myself. Really? Uh, so you were able to stick yourself with one hand and yes, find I, the veins and uh, everything? I had my fistula put in my left arm specifically because I was right-handed. Mm -hmm. And uh, 
my wife is a wonderful person. I, somebody give you a kidney, you can't say that they're anything but a wonderful person, but she doesn't do needles. Mm-hmm. And uh, she was there every minute for me when I went through it. And uh, sticking yourself as anybody who's ever done it uh, is an interesting uh, proposition at best. Uh, but Joyce was always there. She had a checklist that we went over. And even a couple of times when she went out of town to uh, help my uh, daughter after she had a child, uh, she would call me at night and talk me through putting my needles in. And um, it just it worked phenomenal. I Probably if I ever have to go back on dialysis, uh, I'll have to do my own needles. I don't know if I could allow anybody else to do it again. Now, you wouldn't use the buttonhole approach when you do your needles, right? When you're on a regular machine, you I, just use I did sites? not have the, yes, I just use sites. I did, buttonhole actually had never been mentioned to me mm-hmm. when I was on dialysis. It, it seemed to come along after I was through the worst of my uh, situation. Well, you have your date set for your transplant. What were some of your emotions that you felt with your wife giving you a kidney, and what has the outcome been afterwards? Yeah, like how long long was the engagement before you knew that she was going to give it to the time you had the uh, operation? If uh, if I can just, uh, I'll try not to make this too long. I I need to tell you that first off, I have been denied a transplant three times. Why is that? Because Um, your behavior? Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) there's probably a lot of people that would say that. Uh, no, during the course of my illness, uh, I had a number of issues with too many drugs. I want to be careful the way I say that. Uh, as a result, I had a lot of complications during... Too many drugs? You were like a crack addict or what? Uh, I probably would have had a better time as a crack addict. Uh, um, mm-hmm. No, I had... Uh, uh, prednisone really did a lot of damage to me, quite I frankly. Uh, I blew up like the Goodyear blimp. Mm-hmm. Um, fortunately, all the exercise I had done all my life pulled me through that, but I actually went from 210 pounds up to over 250 in about four weeks. And this um, is because you had a transplant before and you were taking prednisone or you were taking prednisone no, for I, another reason? I was on prednisone, quite frankly, from day one. That When I was diagnosed with kidney disease, they, I was put on prednisone. Oh, before you had your transplant? Yes. During dialysis, they had you on steroids? Correct. Now, why is that, Lori? I have no idea. I only play a doctor on TV, not ah. on the radio. <laughs> All right. <laughs> But the, uh, the prednisone did um, um, probably more harm for me originally than, than good. And uh, into my treatment, I was introduced to a different uh, nephrologist. And his first comment was, do you realize that you have liver disease as well as kidney disease? And I, and I need to say this was before he had ever seen my file. He had never laid eyes on me. He looked at me and he said, you have cirrhosis. And I said, well, nobody's ever told me that before. And they had a CAT scan done. And sure enough, I had cirrhosis. Was it the alcohol in your breath that he, he it, tipped him off? Or um, what? I, I probably, again, I would have enjoyed the alcohol more ah, so than what I got. I see. But, uh, they just think it was a combination of a, um, uh, an inherent problem with my liver and also the fact that the drugs had done so much, um, created now, so you, much when turmoil. You, were, you say you're a bodybuilder. Now, it's just us here, right, in the room? Sure. You know, nobody else can hear. <laughs> just, uh, Did yeah. you take steroids? I never touched steroids. Ah, I never see. Never took drugs in my life. So really? once you found out you had cirrhosis of the liver, they didn't want to transplant you, right? Well, their thinking, and I tried to be understanding about it, is that if we're going to open you up and, and give you a new kidney, then we might as well give you a new liver. And um, 
My theory always was I can probably get a kidney at Walgreens, but I don't think I can get a kidney and a liver at the same time. And it's cheaper that way anyway. They got you open up. Two for one, yeah. Absolutely. I I appreciate your understanding, Stephen. Listen, I'm, (laughs) look, my, you know, I'm Jewish, so I always appreciate a good bargain. (laughs) And so I had to fight. Uh, very hard to get my transplant. Uh, The determination that Joyce would be my donor, Joyce is my wife, had not yet been made. But I finally uh, convinced my liver specialist, who I had now been seeing for a couple of years, that I needed somebody to go to bat for me. And he agreed to write a letter that that I would be able to withstand it because I was so determined. Um, And it would probably take another whole show to tell you how determined I was. I was going to get a transplant. There, it's a positive attitude. <laughs> um, one way or the other, I was going to get a transplant. And so Joyce and I went to the transplant team at uh, both the major hospitals in Cincinnati. We pled my case and um, we won. They said if, uh, if I was willing to, to take the risk and go through it, then they would go with me. And uh, so we then um, had uh, my brother, my, my daughter, and my wife tested. And that's when we found out I had uh, three matches and from there, it was just, let's get this thing done. I had life to live and uh, had, was kind of tired of being tied to a machine by then. And uh, we just went forward. I, there was never a time I've ever looked back. There's never been a time I've ever said kidney disease is going to take me over. And I'm not trying to be uh, fluffy about this. I just never accepted the fact that kidney disease was going to do me in. I know you feel that way, and it's great you feel that way. And I'm a, like I said, I'm a very positive person too. But when I first walked into the dialysis unit the very first time, that was a shock to me. I don't know what it was like for you. And that really was very horrific for me. Uh, and I could not agree more. Uh, the first time I was ever in a dialysis clinic, I had only had my fistula for three weeks. And my kidneys went south, I mean, just overnight. And so my fistula was not mature. I had to have something done. They wanted to uh, start messing around with my chest or neck. And I said, I just, that's not going to work. Uh, we'll just have to do something else. And so I actually pretty much forced my way to have the uh, the fistula used long before it was ready. That's not were a they, good thing. Yeah, were they able to man. find the uh, vein? Uh, they Well, I have good veins. From mm-hmm. the exercise, I had excellent veins anyway. Mm-hmm. And, and I will be honest, my arm turned black from my shoulder down to my fingertips. Well, they probably well, infiltrated, they infiltrated you. it, huh? Yeah, they infiltrated me. And wow. it's... And going back to what you said, it was the most horrifying thing I yeah, literally the, went through. Just to look around and see all the other people there. Yes. So and they actually cannulated your fistula early. Yes. And did it destroy it, or did they were they able to repair it afterwards? Uh, I never had a problem. Well, you're very uh, lucky because, know. you know, nowadays, if they stick your fistula before it's mature, they can actually ruin it for life. So people listening out there, be careful. Protect your access. I, I could not agree more. So you were, and, I had the odds on that one. In retrospect, I find that I had one of the best dialysis nurses in the city of Cincinnati, and I would prefer not to go into names because she's no longer in Cincinnati, and she may not uh, uh, agree with my. She assessment, in the witness protection plan. Or she something? is. Uh, <laughs> I, my understanding is she's uh, since moved to Colorado and is working in a hospital out there. But she was a phenomenal person, and uh, probably set the stage for me to to get where I am today because. She informed me that anyone in that clinic was a hero, and I was just one of the new ones. And uh, that's always stuck with me. So I, I understand now, Jim, that you were in Reader's Digest, right? Yes, that's true. Was it hard in such a small book to fit in there? In my size, it yeah. was. Uh, 
But as with everything else, I managed. So. Great. So what was, why were you in Reader's Digest? My oldest daughter, who was the one that I said was my other match, uh, is a professional writer. I have two phenomenal daughters, and I just have great kids, great grandkids. and I. Uh, oh, come can, on. Tell us something wrong with your life, please. Well, that's disgusting. <laughs> that's, that's another three shows. <laughs> I don't want to insinuate things have been easy for me in my life. They have not been easy, but it, they have all taught me to move on. I mean, I, I don't have time to waste looking backwards. How did I get in Reader's Digest? When, when I came through my transplant, up to the time of my transplant, I need to say I had had nine major surgeries and I had my stomach drained 41 times because of the fluid buildup in my abdominal cavity. I had had a lot of complications. I had a minor stroke. And when I went through all that, my oldest daughter said to me, she said, Dad, we really need to, to write about this. And um, uh, when I didn't do that as quickly as she wanted me to, she called a, a writer friend of hers who had done a lot of syndicated work for Reader's Digest. They ultimately flew this writer in and my daughter, and she wrote uh, this article about my wife and I. And it was basically all of the things that we had gone through in our lives. When I tell people we've been married 42 years, the, uh, the feeling seems to be, well, life has been perfect for you. It has not been perfect for us. Joyce and I have had as many problems as anybody else who's been married a year or 42 years. But Sherry, my daughter, wrote the article and, uh, and pretty much wanted to express what the family had been through, not just what I had been through, and what it was like for my wife to be uh, not only there while I was on uh, dialysis, but to be my donor. The story is not just about me, and I never wanted it to be about me. It's about what the family did. The hook in the story <clears throat> is very important to me, so I'm, if, if I can tell it very quickly. Uh, I pinched a few pennies uh, beforehand, before the uh, transplant, and I bought my wife a, uh, a and uh, if you're listening, Joyce, a relatively inexpensive diamond necklace. And uh, the deal was my daughters were going to present it to her after the transplant. And uh, so after the transplant, uh, the doctors broke a few of the rules and allowed us to be put in the same uh, recovery room for a few minutes. And the girls presented the diamond necklace to her. And my oldest daughter, who always seems to have the forethought to do the right thing, took a picture of she and I holding hands and have those uh, uh, pictures uh, framed after our transplant. So wow. we have the picture of the day we got married, which everyone has with the couple holding their hand and their mm -hmm. rings. And then there's another picture of us with all of the tubes running out of our arms and her receiving the, uh, the, the necklace. And so they had those framed and put in sickness and in health and until death. And that prompted the whole story in Reader's Digest, which has also led to some articles in a few newspapers and uh, the alumni magazine of my university and my daughter's university. There's a lot of background to the story. Well, tell but us what you're doing now and what's going on in your life with you and Joyce and your family. Well, uh, we are just, we're having a ball. Uh, we're completely broke. Uh, we, Because I was self-employed and had a great uh, a great business going before all this started. We're rebuilding our lives. <clears throat> That's not an easy task for somebody my age. I don't mind saying I'm almost 62 years old. That just makes it a little bit more challenging. I went into real estate uh, because I couldn't go back into consulting. I'd lost uh, most of my contacts and relationships and so on. Did reasonably well in real estate. And again, back to my daughter, she said, Dad, you really need to find some organizations to do some work with. Uh, I contacted many places and ended up finding this place called the Renal Support Network over the internet. 
and uh, filled out this little form one day. And a few days later, uh, Lori called me on the phone. And it's the first time we ever met. And I don't know if you'll remember that, Lori, but uh, we talked for a few minutes and I thought, well, I want to get involved. I wrote a little bit, um, ultimately became a member of PEP, uh, the uh, Patients Educating Patients and Professionals Group. So I speak around the country every opportunity I get. I continue to sell real estate. I became involved with WeCan, uh, the advocacy group that does work on behalf of patients. Through another member of PEP, I became involved in the renal network in my area, the Ohio, Indiana, uh, Illinois, Kentucky, I believe, area. Uh, I think I was a member of that organization for two or three minutes when I was appointed to the patient leadership committee which I was very proud of, and after being a member of it for uh, at least five other minutes, I was appointed to another committee <laughs> in the state of Ohio. So there's only you were the only member. I'm, right? the only, <laughs> I'm the only guy that doesn't know how to say no. Um, I make light of that, but I am really proud of, of what I'm doing for all organizations because most people aren't as lucky as I am. I'm healthy enough where I can go out and do a lot of things that I think are going to help patients. It's not because I'm any different than anybody else. It's just I'm um, more obsessed than most people uh, to help people. So It sounds like you have a really good team working for you. And I understand there's one more member of your team that you're very close with and has helped you through your diseases. Uh, are we talking about Maggie? I think so. <laughs> okay. Maggie is, uh, if I could put Joyce aside, and I can't do that, but I'm going to put Joyce aside. Maggie's my best friend. Right after I got sick, uh, we had had uh, collies for over 30 years. We had raised collies. Lassie-type collies? Lassie-type collies, full-blooded collies. And our dog, our second dog, passed away. She was 14 years old. And I was already having enough difficulty finding out I was sick because I, I was not used to dealing with illness. And my, my kids said, well, Dad, we got to go get you another dog because you're going to be home a lot by yourself knowing that I was going to be sick for a while. So we went to the dog pound, if that's what you're allowed to call them <laughs> these days. And um, Maggie was about um, six weeks old. She, they had found her on the street. She had one ear that stood up and one ear that flopped down, and that did it for me. Yeah, it's kind of like my wife. <laughs> Somebody you know, right? Yes. <laughs> Maggie and I became instant friends. Um after we had her uh, taken care of, we, we got her home around Christmas of the year I was diagnosed. And because I was home all the time, literally all the time, I actually uh, never left my house at one point for over eight months because I looked so bad I wouldn't let anybody see me. Maggie and I, needless to say, became very close. And uh, she's always been with me. When I was on dialysis at home, she would lay outside my bedroom door because I couldn't allow her in for fear of her uh, bothering the tubes and all, uh, but she always understood uh, exactly how I felt, and she does today. My wife says I'm closer to Maggie than I am my daughters and my grandkids, and <laughs> I don't think that's quite true, but we're probably pretty close. And, and what kind of dog is uh, Maggie? She is the most beautiful border collie. Uh, so she's the black and white type dog? The black and yes. white, yes. And, and she's and, not uh, hyper, right? Like, uh, she doesn't try to herd you to the kitchen and stuff? Oh, no. Yes, she does. Uh, yeah, to border. the kitchen, to the bedroom, to any place else we go. She and keeps you in line, right? She keeps us in line, and you will play ball in our house. Uh, we have baseballs, basketballs all over the place and she is just phenomenal with my grandkids they all love her oh fantastic she's a great dog well it sounds like you have you know a lot of positive things and great life and everything well any closing thoughts for the people who are listening if i haven't sent the message yet the only message i can send is that you truly can overcome anything you want to 
just don't let anybody tell you you can't. And I hate to sound cliche-ish, but I believe that with every fiber in me, you can do anything you want. And that's what I plan to do. I only have 60 more years to live. I have a few things I gotta do. Hi, my name is Jenny Huey. There is a critical shortage of organs. 91,000 people are waiting for a transplant. I am one of those people waiting for a kidney like many of you listening. I wait for my transplant coordinator to call me with the good news, that they have a kidney for me. Other young women my age are waiting for that special someone who they met online at that dating website, Match.com, to call. And I'm waiting for the right cross-match. It is important that we all inform our friends, family, and co-workers about the importance of becoming a donor and to make sure they sign a donor card. Also, they need to discuss this very important decision with their family. We all need to bring awareness to the public about the importance of giving the gift of life so I can continue on with my life, dialysis-free, and have guys waiting patiently by the phone for me. Wow, I feel lucky already. I, uh, Jim is just an incredible motivator. I know, he's been through so much in his life and so positive. I know, and he did survive a plane crash, but he forgot to tell us about that. Oh my God, because he, he doesn't want to talk about it because he doesn't like to fly anymore. He only likes those little bags of peanuts. <laughs> you know, he doesn't, no, he doesn't step foot on a plane. And but no, he's, my gosh, his wife giving him his kidney and yes. his kids writing the article. Oh, you know, I mean. And I, I got to get that article. I, I really want to read it in Reader's Digest that. Uh, article that was written? Yes, it was a great article. I read it, and he's an incredible author. He writes a lot of articles for our newsletter and for Kidney Time, so there's all kinds of things that you can see on our website. And he's in pretty good shape, actually. He you know, is. For, for being a transplant person on, on you know, steroids and stuff. And, oh yeah, he's he's a fitness Guru. freak. I mean, he, listen, <laughs> look, you know, we were trying to do the show, he kept lifting me up and down I on the know, chair. I know, he was bench pressing the table. We can control our own destiny. We can take charge of our health and ask questions about our medical options. We can form partnerships with our healthcare team. We can take steps towards self-improvement. We can be sensitive to the impact of our disease on our family. We can sing, dance, laugh, and enjoy our lives. We can appreciate today and look forward to tomorrow. We can help and support our fellow patients. We can pursue our hopes and dreams. We can make a difference. Renal Support Network would like to thank everyone who has made this show possible. Kidney Talk's founding sponsor is Amgen. Generous support is provided by Roche Pharmaceuticals and Astellas. Friends of Kidney Talk are Abbott Laboratories, American Region, and Fresenius Medical Care North America. Thank you for helping us stream health, happiness, and hope to the kidney community. Visit rsnhope.org for more information. The opinions, recommendations, statements, and advice contained on Kidney Talk are for information only. You should not use the information on the show to diagnose or treat a health problem or disease without first consulting with a qualified health care provider. Please consult with your health care provider about any questions or concerns you may have regarding your condition or dietary regimen.